Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Hello, I'm Gabriel Marcotti and I'm speaking to you from Warsaw with the latest game podcast from Euro 2012. Uh, It's been another fascinating few days. Uh, We've seen the good, the bad and the ugly and stupid cliches aside, I think we're seeing one hell of a tournament, but uh, I'll be discussing that further with my guest today. We've got two of our uh, in-house journalistic powerhouses. It's Matt Hughes and of course it's George Calkin. Uh, We'll be covering that huge game between Holland and Germany and some of the trouble between Poland and Russia. But why don't we start with England? And Matt, uh, it's logical to start with you since you're uh, you're with England. Uh, England and Sweden, um, obviously after that that initial draw, which ultimately I thought was was a good result, um, better than the performance certainly. Um, Is Ibrahimovic scaring anybody? Didn't scare me, but I don't have to play against him. <laughs> he looked, um, he's rarely, rarely done it against English teams, but he looked pretty um, pretty, pretty good on Monday against Ukraine, and as we've seen with his comments afterwards, he's pretty fired up for this tournament and angry after that defeat, so um, I think he will, will cause problems. Terry and Westcott did very well against Benzema, but um, Rich represents a different challenge. George, you I mean, you're used to covering, you've seen things over the years, I, I, I'm always interested in how um, confidence seems to seems to play a part in, in a certain way with with England teams. That does the fact that Slatan has over the years been presented in English media some kind of flat track bully who who can't do it against England and so on. In your experience, does that come into the minds of the players? I mean, regardless of whether it's true or not, but does it come into the minds of the players and do they tend to benefit and feel stronger against them because? They just don't think he's as good. I'm not sure if it works like that. I mean, I do think I do think that um, there's you know there's more of a kind of concentration on their own performances, their own team, their own shape. And I think in in some ways that's that's been a failing for England over over the years that there hasn't been sort of. I mean, not that they're not well prepared, because I'm sure that they are, but there is this sort of almost sort of isolationism and. Um, <clears throat> I mean, 
mean, one thing that we know about uh, Roy Hodgson, I mean, A, from the games that we've seen uh, so far, England will be very well drilled and disciplined and organised, but also, you know, they will pay attention to the opposition, they will, um, he will sort of provide sort of in-depth an- analysis of that of that kind of thing, so I'm sure they'll be made, made aware of him, but, um, you know, as as per usual, it'll be a case of, I think, concentrating on their own ability and trying to, trying to do it that way. If they, if they focus on, on their own ability, um, I'm assuming we're all expecting them to do what they did against France. In other words, perhaps sit deep and try to get something in, in, on, on the counter. In light of that, uh, do you expect the same personnel? I think it will be will be the same team, yes. We watched training yesterday and the first team that played against France sort of managed 20 minutes and then went off to rest which suggests he's not planning Hodgson's not planning many tactical changes because he certainly didn't work, work on them yesterday they have one training session at the stadium in Kiev this afternoon and that's, that's very much it um, I think they might try and be slightly more expansive um, they had have one shot on goal against France I'm unfortunate that Lescott's header went in so they're going to have to um have to try and be a bit more creative. Um, maybe Oxlade Chamberlain will be given a little bit more license to um, come inside and, and look for the ball rather than working even down the switchline as he did. I think the key also is to try and get Ashley Young into the game more. He was very isolated against France and I think he only touched the ball 15 times. Uh, Hughes, I'm going to follow up with you because uh, I, I was struck by something. I, I, I caught some of the uh, TV and radio coverage of uh, the first game and they all praised Danny Welbeck to uh, high heaven, and then I pick up my copy of the Times, and you did the ratings, and I saw that you gave him a five, which isn't a very good rating. Um, I'm wondering, what do you make of Welbeck? And might this be the kind of game where you actually go with with Carroll, perhaps? And part of the reason I'm suggesting that is that for some bizarre statistical reason, we're on pace for um, 34 headed goals in this European Championships, which is twice as much as, as the previous record. And if this is this is the Euros of aerial bombardment, and again, it might just be a statistical quirk, might England be better off with the, with the big, scary centre-forward rather than uh, the, the smaller, gifted one? I think, um, given what England are going to play, which is sitting very deep and having basically one up front, despite Ashley Young being... Notion near striker, I think they're going to need more mobility than Carroll offers, which is why they're going to stick with Welbeck. I mean, I thought actually Welbeck did do okay. I thought he worked very, very hard. I thought he didn't hold the ball up as well as he could have done. Hence, maybe he got a slightly lower mark. But I know, I think he, I think he did reasonably well, and we'll get, we'll get another chance. I'm fine talking about crosses, but if you've got James Mullen on one wing and the right-footed Oxlade Chamberlain on the other, then you're probably not going to get great service to Carroll anyway. So I think that's another reason they'll stick with Welbeck. Well, Mike Hughes has always been a bit of a harsh grader, of course. But, uh, George, you have more uh, intimate knowledge of, uh, of Andy Carroll, and not necessarily biblical knowledge. But, um, I mean, he's there for a reason. Do you think he's just a late-game sub? Um, or... Is he somebody who, uh, who who could start, or once Rooney comes back, is he basically going to be there to be the tourist? 
Um, well, I think I think the, the qualities that, that that we know he's got, he's got makes him a sort of ideal game changer as a as a as a substitute. That's for certain. I mean, I think um, uh, Hughes he's got far more kind of intimate knowledge of of the, of the way England are set up and the way England are playing. But we we do know that if if there comes a stage in a game when Hodgson needs to change something, bringing on Andy Carroll is gonna is gonna uh, you know mean uh, it sort of facilitates uh, a change of tactics and. You know, I, I don't think any defender. I mean, without kind of going into cliche too much, I don't think many defenders defenders in this tournament would kind of relish the prospect of uh, kind of playing this six foot something monster coming on for the last twenty minutes of a game. I mean, it might be a sign of desperation if if, if he is coming on, but um, you know, we, we know that he's going to win the ball in the air. We know that he'll make life difficult, and he does provide he does provide Hodgson with a kind of completely different game plan. I think that's the attraction of him. Um, you know, having seen him at Newcastle uh, in those first six months back in the Premier League, he was he was uh, he was unplayable at times, and it's taken him you know it's taken him a long time to kind of find himself uh, at, at Liverpool. But um, you know, it's kind of good that he's here in a, in a bit of form, and can, I'm sure he'll be you know absolutely determined to make an impact if he if if and when he gets a chance. But yeah, no, I think I think he he provides he provides something different. That's the attraction. It's not a like for like change. All right, enough England. Um, we had two tremendous games uh, uh, yesterday. We've had very good games uh, uh, in, in in the tournament. Um, Husey, I, I want to ask you, uh, Portugal. I mean, they certainly got got a huge scare uh, against uh, against Denmark. And uh, what I thought was incredible was that that miss towards the end from um, from Cristiano. I hate to say he doesn't do it at tournament level. And I really thought this was the one where, you know, things would work out for him. He'd had a good season. He'd sort of approach a tournament slightly um, under the limelight. Um, I mean, Portugal are definitely in it. That, that, that 3-2 win puts, puts, basically puts them right there. They, they need to get a result against Holland who are nearly out. But are you, are, are you surprised by the, by the tournament um, Ronaldo's had? Is is just the wrong guy in the wrong place, and you know what do you say to a superstar who kind of misses a one-on-one the way he did late in the game? Oh, I like you. I thought given the year he's had in Madrid, sixty odd goals, finally earning a title. I thought this could be his tournament, but it's just not worked out for him. I think he clearly suffers from Portugal's reliance sort of him, which might sound daft given they won 3-2 in the game he didn't perform very well but you know what I mean they haven't got a great centre forward so they, they're going to look to rather not only to create the goals but score the goals and I think he suffers under that pressure George um, Germany roll on six points they're, they're just about there though they believe there's some kind of weirdo mathematical combination where uh, they might not actually qualify um, but so far, so good. They they got the, um, they got the two tough games uh, out of the way. They they won, um, and I thought they looked uh, they looked better against Holland. Uh, did you still have them up there among the favorites? And uh, is Mario Gomez the answer? 
Well, I, I certainly do have one of their favourites. They, they, they were the beneficiaries of uh, my, my talent before the tournament started. I know they were they were for quite a few people, but nothing nothing that's happened so far would see me want to move that bet. Um, no, I really enjoyed really enjoyed watching it watching it last night. They've got great movement, fluidity, um, and you know they're a, they're a pleasure to watch. It's been sort of interesting watch watching their sort of re rediscovery or, or their sort of re-emergence since Germany in 2006 but um, you know they're, they're pleasing on the eye they've got a striker in great form and um, I think they're the ones to beat so far Excuse me was it did you, did you agree with that or was it a case of uh, Holland playing a ridiculously bad system against uh, that's just completely unsuited to playing Germany and basically the the big players for Holland too many of them playing on their own because I got I got the sense that Snyder papered over the cracks, obviously, in, in 2010, and, and they, got a, they got a bit of luck and, and whatever else. But once again, you know, you've got Robin playing by himself. You've got Van Persie. I mean, great goal aside, not really fitting in. You've got the two guys in front of the back four, just basically just standing around and defending. And you have, I think, what must be one of the worst back fours uh, at the Euros. Well, I'd agree. Holland weren't great, and they're, they're so profligate in attack. Robin must miss sort of half a dozen chances every game when he cuts inside and whacks it over the bar or puts it wide at the near post. And he's obviously had a pretty terrible month since signing that new contract at Bayern. But having said that, I was massively impressed with Germany. Um, I was talking to Michael Ballack for a piece about them before the tournament and he made the point that they are a bit like Spain, a kind of complete all-round team and they can hurt you from anywhere. If you contrast Schweinsteiger and Kadera as nominally holding players to the sort of very statuesque, slow, De Jong and Van Bommel, then it, there really is no comparison. Schweinsteiger played a, such a lovely ball with the Gomez and they're just a really good football team and when you've got Gomez on form they've got cutting edge as well closer to come off the bench he's got an incredible record at tournaments so it's difficult to um, find any weaknesses with them really and you really would fancy them going Small details are big surfaces tight corners are odd shapes flat, rounded, textured or tall whatever your next project there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? 
helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A long way in this tournament. Yeah, only weakness, as you said, though. Perhaps uh, Gomez's form um, might go at some point. Um, I know they'd be quite as fluid against uh, a different opponent. And uh, also, Matt Hummels, one of my favorite players in the world, showed his, uh, showed his humanity there with uh, one or two bad mistakes uh, against, uh, against the Dutch. But I agree with you. I expect Germany to bounce back comprehensively. On a slightly less pleasant note, um, I was here in, uh, in, in Warsaw uh, for the uh, Poland-Russia uh, game. And, um, yep, uh, there, definitely was, there definitely was trouble. I think, um, the, I think the decision to allow these Russian fans to march um, was, was simply idiotic. Um, kind of naturally people here saw it as a, as a provocation. There's probably hundreds of years of, of history. And uh, whether you think it's a provocation or not, I think it's hard to deny that for some of the lunatics who just want to get into rucks and uh, smash people's heads in, it's the perfect excuse to go and, uh, and attack Russian fans, many of whom, or some of whom anyway, um, were there and kind of relished the fight. Now, George, uh, we're not really used to seeing um, this kind of thing at, at a major tournament. I, I certainly thought we'd kind of moved past that. And then I think you probably have to go back to, uh, to, to Charleroi and, uh, well, England fans, uh, back in uh, uh, 2000 to find the last instance of this on this scale. Um, are you surprised? And is this, a, is this a one-off, as we all hope? Well, I, I certainly hope those scenes that we that uh, that we saw in in Warsaw are one off, where there was kind of um, you know sort of fighting outside the stadium. Um, I mean, I have to say that there is a. As soon as I arrived in Poland, I was kind of struck by the uh, by the sort of difference in, in atmosphere. And I sort of, you know, I should absolutely make it make it clear that sort of the the overwhelming the overwhelming sensation is of being welcomed and being made, you know, it's been kind of a great welcome for everybody. But the, there is a there's a sort of cultural um, tradition, it seems, of drinking and drinking on the street and. Um, that I, I was kind of amazed when I first arrived in Sopot, which is uh, you know it's a coastal resort. It's close to Gdansk. It's uh, it's a very nice part of the world. Um, but young people are out on the street drinking, and they're doing it sort of throughout the day. This was before the tournament started, and it, it kind of made me feel a little bit. Um, Nervous, I suppose, and um, you know, I have seen I have seen instances of, of just small localized fighting uh, between local people. Actually, and this was before the tournament started. So, I mean, I think that's just there in the background, um, and you know, naturally, when you then put football fans often drinking into that same sort of mix, then there's you know, there's there's, there's obvious there's obvious worries there. Now, having said all that, uh, I'm following the Republic of Ireland around and there were 15,000, 20,000 of their fans in Poznan last week. I was in the main square with them 
the night before the night before their game, and you know there were 14 arrests now, 14 arrests when you've got 20,000 fans and thousands of other fans there as well. It actually, isn't that much. So I hope I hope that um, I hope that what we've seen is is a kind of one-off. Uh, a one-off event, you know, obviously with a bit of history about it, but at the same time, to, to the people who are here or coming out of here, I would just sort of advise advise common sense, really. George, did you just say you're surprised by seeing young people out on the street drinking? Because, um, I don't know, I, I, I obviously we live in different parts of, of England, but where I live... Um, you, you see plenty of that. Does that not happen in the Northeast? Yes, it does. No, no. Well, it does. But I mean, it's more. I mean, more. You know, if you if you went to, out in Newcastle, you would see people moving about from from bar to bar. Um, so what what struck me was the number of people actually drinking from from you know from glass bottles and uh, and walking around drinking and walking around drinking as a pastime as opposed to walking around from one place to another to drink. I think right. that was the right. that was the sort of difference, and it was happening. <laughs> it was happening from. from from sort of early in the early in the evening, I, you know, absolutely. I'm from the northeast of England, which has a kind of vi- vibrant drinking and social scene. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very well. I'm, you know, I'm very well versed, very familiar with that with that um, scene and, and indeed partaking in it. But I, I was kind of struck. Uh, I was struck. <laughs> I was struck very. I was struck very early on by the, the scale of it here, um, and you know, people standing around on the on the street drinking. Uh, Husey, um so it, it's interesting because with the with the violence, which I I mean, UEFA really were not expecting, but um, but but after what's interesting is that they've had to act and they've had to act with FAs almost as if they were they were clubs. So. After that horrible video, which I'm sure you, you've probably seen of the uh, Russian hooligans beating up uh, um, the, the, those four stewards in Lviv, Russia have been fined and given a, um, a six-point suspended uh, sentence in the next uh, European qualifier. That's a suspended sentence that doesn't really mean anything if they, if they behave, although if something bad happens, six points is pretty huge, and that could well mean that they don't qualify for for 2016 um but after but now they've opened another inquiry after the violence in warsaw um and also over that i don't know i'm assuming you guys saw it that that huge banner um which which was sort of unfurled which i admit looked very cool and kind of threatening but if somebody came to my house in my country and uh unfurled a, a banner that said you know, this is Russia with a picture of some weirdo 17th century political leader who, who uh, or his military leader who fought against Polish forces and blah, blah, blah. I would kind of take that as an affront. Somebody made the analogy. Um, if those had been German fans unfurling a, a, a giant uh, banner of the, uh, you know, the German war eagle or, uh, <laughs> or, or, or somebody equally unsavory, with like the sign, this is Germany, people would have been pretty angry. Um, do you expect UEFA to punish uh, Russia again over this? And how did they get that big thing in the stadium in the first place? I find it absolutely staggering that UEFA are surprised there was violence and crowd trouble, given where we are in the world in Ukraine and Poland where there is 
endemic problems at football matches, but particularly at the match. As you say, you've got Russian fans marching. The march should never have allowed to take place in a very aggressive manner and unveiling a flag saying this is Russia in a country which was effectively ruled from Moscow for 70, 80 years. It's absolutely incredible that these, these things were allowed to happen and the UEFA claimed to be surprised and it shows that they're in, frankly incompetent and shouldn't be running the tournament. It also casts big questions over, worrying question marks over 2018 um, and the World Cup. I don't want to come over as, as a bitter and twisted English football reporter, but um, taking the FIFA taking the tournament for Russia, given the violence we've seen involving Russian fans in the last few days, I think it's quite quite worrying. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. So, uh, I don't know. I just thought there was there was real ugliness to the banner. I mean, there was no violence whatsoever um, inside the stadium or immediately next to the stadium. It was sort of during the march on the way to the city center over this bridge to the stadium. And, you know, they they passed it on to the police. They dealt with it as best they should. And, and, and with Heinz, I think they screwed up there. I was just, um, but but that banner, that banner, I guess we see the, the uglier side of the um, of, of the nationalism. But uh, to end it on a positive note, um, this is my seventh major tournament, counting Euros and World Cups. Um, George, what number are you at? And is this the best one you've seen at this stage? At this, uh, at this stage of the competition. Um, numbers. Well, uh, I've done every one since 2000, barring the European Championships in 2008 when England weren't here. Um, and yeah, no, I mean, absolutely, absolutely loving it. Um, as I said before, I'm, I'm covering Ireland, and that's a joy to be part of that. But um, if not the, if not their football, hasn't been. But. Um, it's been it's been thrilling and it's been thrilling watching it. Uh, it's been thr- thrilling watching the other games on the on the TV. Really enjoyed it, and you know um, it's easy to be cynical in our job. And uh, I guess a, a bit of a bit of that is fine when it's healthy. But I have to say that when I was in the stadium in Poznan for, for Ireland's game against Croatia, the noise, the atmosphere, the colour. The sort of excitement, the sense of being part of something big, um, found it pretty pretty overwhelming. I have to say, yeah. and the, the quality of the football so far has been has been excellent. Unfortunately, sometimes real life interferes with the fantasy bubble that is uh, uh, the European Championships, and we've had it happen once again. Harry Redknapp, no longer the Tottenham Hotspur manager, um, Husey, uh Three months ago, y'all thought he was great. Uh, people wanted him to succeed Fabio Capello as England manager, although obviously the FA didn't. Uh, now all of a sudden he's he's thrown to the curve like his dog Rosie was, uh, with uh, with nothing but three million pounds in compensation to cheer him up. How did we get to this? Well, it's a surprise from the outside, given what he's achieved and given how high his reputation was very recently. But if you know the personalities involved and the relationship between Renaf and Daniel Levy. It's not really a surprise. There's always been tension in the relationship over transfer targets and money to be spent. And they've had very specific problems over the last few months. In, in February, when the England job first came up, Tottenham tried to get Redknapp to sign a new contract so they would get compensation in the event of the FA coming in. He wasn't interested. Then when he didn't get the job in May, he went on to them and was very proactive and almost aggressive in demanding a four-year contract. 
that went down very badly with Daniel Levy and he made it clear he wasn't going to get anything. Levy was also unhappy with the way that Tottenham imploded and blew a 13-point lead over Arsenal to finish fourth, which in the end, in the event, wasn't good enough for Champions League football. Um, so those combination of those two factors meant that the relationship was broken down and given there was no intention on Spurs' part to extend, it was almost inevitable that he, he would he would he would leave, and he was basically sacked yesterday. It's a bold move from Tottenham, and it will put pressure on them to get a good manager in. Looks like it will be David Moyes who will be under impression, under pressure himself to to do well. But um, I, th- I think he can do that. That's all we've got time for. So thank you for listening. And yeah, that includes you, Roberto Di Matteo, who's uh, got a two-year contract to be the new, in inverted quotas, uh, Chelsea, inverted commas rather, Chelsea manager uh, just a few months after winning the Champions League. Funny that. I'll be back on Monday where we'll have a better sense of England's future. Uh, In the meantime, you can visit www.thetimes.co.uk. You can follow us all on Twitter. Jump in there and say hi. Tell us what you think about the podcast. And download our iPad app. It's kind of like a newspaper with uh, buttons, graphics, and all kinds of fancy features. Till next time, bye-bye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.